Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. of All Marine Radio, uh, for those of you that have been following uh, the events surrounding the investigation into a mishap relative to the 15th Mew, uh, that investigation got released. Um, and I don't know if the Marine Corps is, uh, <laughs> if this is how we do things now, like every other political organization does. But I don't know. To me, it struck me as a little bit unseemly that an investigation of this magnitude gets released late on a Friday afternoon like every other political organization does. Is that, is that where the Marine Corps is today? Is that how the Marine Corps accounts for itself and delivers bad news now? Was it a coincidence? I hope so. So if you're uh, if you're looking for that investigation and you'd like to take a, a look at the actual investigation itself, uh, you can find it um, on the All Marine Radio website. Yeah, how about that? Um, and 
if you go to the podcast page and also to the readme, um, the read board, you will find it, uh, you will find it there. So, uh, so yeah, the best place probably to go for it would be, uh, I would say the quickest way you'll find it is go to the All Marine Radio website, go to the, uh, go to the page where it says blog read board and click on that. And then, uh, you'll see it sitting there. If you click on, uh, that link, uh, you'll just copy and paste that to the browser and, uh, it will take you to the, a copy of the investigation that you can download. So I believe it's on the, it's on the Marine Corps portal. That's the one I hung on, uh, That's when I hung on my website. So anyway, it's uh, the investigation is over a thousand pages, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's not a small thing. So it'll ask you when you go to the website. It'll ask you if you want to download it, and because uh, it's too large for you to preview. So anyway, so it's on uh, it's on my the website. Um, I don't really want to talk about that too much today. Grant Newsham's going to join me here in a few minutes, and um, and but uh, we will get into that investigation here later on this week, and with Will and Jeff and Tim, and what we'll try to do is uh, we'll try to either make sense of it or not, uh, and. Uh, so uh so we'll probably do that on Wednesday and Thursday. So um anyway, uh Grant Newsham gonna join me uh today and uh interesting stuff going on in the world. Grant's written a piece here recently um called China Sense Weakness Not Strength in Alaska. So um originally published in Asia Times uh, Grant put this out last week. You can also find it on the Center for Security Policy dot org website. So, uh, so Grant will join us. We'll talk about that piece. We'll also talk about, um, you know, uh, American businesses have have tripped over themselves to be able to do business in China. And uh, and okay, I got it. Right, a lot of money to be made. Uh, they've essentially sold their souls to do that, and they've been very good at doing, you know, the Texas two-step or whatever dance you want to do uh, in order to continue to mine China for money, and uh, especially the companies that have been so active on social media around the rest of the world, right? Conveniently look the other way in China. Uh, well, that is uh, last week, early in the week, Nike, you know, got blown up. In China, only on social media, though, kind of interesting, uh, for statements made about the Uyghurs. And I don't know how you exactly how you pronounce uh, these, the Xinjiang province. Grant will correct me here, I'm sure. Um, you know, their forced labor, their re-education, blah, 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 blah of the Uyghurs, right? And so uh, H&M over the weekend was virtually erased from 
the Chinese internet for uh, similar transgressions. Other companies, Burberry is one of them, uh, are being singled out as well. So it's kind of interesting that this confrontation has been brewing for a long time, and many people have been waiting to see it. Because, again, in this new world, you know, you you dance to China's tune, even though it's a lie, and you like it because they'll let you do business that way. If you won't, then you'll be erased. You'll be virtually eliminated from the planet. So, um, so we'll talk to Grant about that kind of confrontation that's been effectively danced around, you know, for, you know, for decades and, uh, you know, American businesses tripping all over themselves to get some of that Chinese market and some of that Chinese money and essentially selling their souls to do, to do that. So, um. China flexing its muscles by eliminating, I think, H&M as a warning to other companies, right? And because, again, all they did to Nike, who did essentially the same thing, was get after them on social media, okay? And uh, that's as far as that went. Uh, we'll talk, so we'll talk to Grant about that. North Korea is launching missiles again. So we'll see if there's anything. Is that just an attention getter? Is there any there there? And then also uh, things in the Pacific Rim um, in Myanmar, right, formerly known as Burma, right, uh, government forces shot and killed over 100 protesters at a funeral. So uh, what are the implications from uh, for um, for Myanmar? Myanmar, uh, coming up. Where does that thing all go? So, um, on this uh, 29th day of March, good morning. Uh, should be an interesting show, as Grant Newsom's always interesting. Um, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning. <laughs> This is dedicated to the hope, and I guess we'll find out, but um, this is dedicated to the hope that that investigation wasn't uh, hung late on a Friday afternoon. That's when it was was prepared and could have been put up. This is on the hope that 
That's not how the United States Marine Corps does business. The United States Marine Corps shoulders its burdens, takes responsibility, and doesn't do chicken shit stuff like hang significant investigations on websites late on Friday. So I don't know. I don't know who answers for that. But it, that's the United States Marine Corps. So this is this is dedicated to that hope that that's not really what happened. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well i'm very confident that thank you very much if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Time to check the weather. Currently at Quantico it's partly sunny in fifty three. Down the coast of Camp Lejeune, cooled off a little bit. Sunny in 57, 29 Palms, sunny in 62. It was hot here in the 80s along the coast in Southern California, which evidently nobody saw coming. Yeah, thank God we have all that technology. Um, Camp Pendleton, sun in 53. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 72. Okinawa, dark cloudy 72. Darwin's cooled off. Dark cloudy and 76 in Norway. They've warmed up. 
partly sunny and 57 at the home of All Marine Radio here in the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California. Fair and 54. Looking for a high of 70. That's what we were supposed to have yesterday. <laughs> 70 today, 70 tomorrow, 83 on Wednesday, 80 on Thursday, 73 on Friday. So a little bit of warm air here uh, in uh, Southern California. So, uh, much welcomed, I might add. Uh, Major League Baseball gets going this weekend. I'm, I'm excited about that. So, uh, that's, uh, that's a good thing. The, um, and then uh, Chris Woodbridge going to join us tomorrow, the editor and publisher of the Marine Corps Gazette. Uh, he will join us tomorrow. We'll talk about the April edition of the Gazette. And, uh, and then I think on Wednesday and Thursday we'll talk investigations um, and we'll kind of do a deep dive into uh, the investigation that was released on late Friday. And again, fingers crossed that that was just administrative error and that's not really how the United States Marine Corps does business these days like any other political bullshit organization. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed, right? Little engine that could shit, right? Please, please, please get up the hill, get up the hill. Uh, no, that's not that's not the way it works. So anyway, I hope I hope there's a great explanation of, of why. And uh, and then what you saw last week, uh, all the different articles you saw that came out before the investigation got thrown up on on uh, Friday. Uh, that's the Marine Corps charm offensive. That's it trying to put its best foot forward on this investigation. Okay. So I guess in time we will hear from families who've lost loved ones uh, and get their thoughts on all of this. And uh, and so, anyway. Um, probably, though, later on this week we will take a look at that. Um, let me see if I can get Grant Newsham on... Uh, on the Skype here, on the other side of the world. So, Grant, uh, in... Uh, yeah, hello, Grant speaking. Yeah, in uh, Taipei. So, Grant, good, good evening. How are you? Mm, fine, thanks. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. All right. You fired up. Baseball season's coming. Uh, you want to uh, opening day this week? you have any predictions for your... I mean, you used to deride the Washington baseball program. But since it's a one world championship, so I don't know that you can do that uh, anymore. So uh, maybe you want to deride the Orioles. That would be safe. Um, do you have any predictions you want to make? Hmm. Huh. I'm going with the Orioles. <laughs> and where are we going with them? To the top. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, I just pulled up my 401k, <laughs> and uh, it's. Going to Baltimore. Nice, nice, nice. The um, I want to talk about. Um, first of all, I want to start with something that that you wrote, and uh, and I'll read you the headline. You can find it on uh, the Center for Security Policies website. You can also find it in Asia Times, where it was originally published. But headline says this: China sense weakness, not strength, in Alaska. Um. And uh, the United States Secretary of State, Mr. Blinken, was up there. And you, depending, I think, on where one sits on the political spectrum, 
predictably uh, they crowed about it in each way. Some said it showed weakness. Others said, you know, Blinken was extremely strong in confronting the Chinese. Uh, give me your take on all of that. Um, keep in mind, of course, that this is just like one round in a, say, a 15-round boxing match. Right. Um, and we're already in about round five. Um, but looking at what happened at, in Alaska at that meeting um, between the U.S. National Security Advisor, uh, the U.S. National Secretary, the U.S. Secretary of State, and basically the Chinese equivalents of it, um, I think America got their lunch money taken, uh, just humiliated. Uh, the Chinese, that's their senior diplomat, he just launched into a 20-minute tirade insulting America you know, saying no position to criticize anyone about human rights, democracy, et cetera, et cetera. It was just completely, it was insulting in every respect. It was aggressive, truculent. And and, was, and, and, and Grant choreographed as well, right? Oh, yeah. They knew exactly what was coming. Right. Uh, it, and it was, it'd be, like in, it'd be like if you invited someone into your house and you commented to them, well, boy, you were like five minutes late. Um, and they launched into a 20-minute, say, just barrage of insults as to why you're just a horrible person and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and to shut up. And and your response was this very measured, well, yes, we have our problems, but we work them out ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what happened. The American response was meek defensive uh, and kind of like just a bunch of pussies you know i don't know a better word for it but it was um you know didn't have any of sort of the impassioned rhetoric that you would have gotten or would have expected uh it was not particularly it was articulate if you were addressing a room full of yale undergraduates and that's what happened so the chinese come in insult us tell us we're you know you know, horrible people or weak, our time is finished, etc. you know, in, in effect. And we don't really respond to it except in a, you say, a Yale graduate school seminar kind of way. And can I, the, can I tell you something? I, I got elected to public office in 2006 while I was deployed to Fallujah. I later learned that you're not allowed to do that. Run up for office while you're activated reservist. <laughs> but I didn't know at the time. Uh, let me tell you what I learned in four years of uh, of politics. One of the lessons I learned. If somebody gives it to you in public, right, on television, on the radio, um, in print, and you do not respond in kind, they rule the day. That assertion rules the day. And so one of the things you, you have to – you know, come to grips with in politics is if somebody launches on you, you've got to give it back to them in kind. And a couple of things. One, so they know if you want to go here, I'm happy to go here with you. Uh, two, if you have the more high ground, you're a fool if you don't. But three, in the court of public opinion, if it's unanswered, right, it's valid. And that's, uh, that's, that's, again, that's from a rube you know, who dabbled in politics for four years. Even I know that. Yeah, and that's what you saw on display, unfortunately, in Alaska. 
Uh, and they did have a couple more days of meetings where they talked about something. The American side hasn't released a detailed uh, sort of account of what, what they talked about. Um, but they, they never, once you lose that initial sort of shot or that elic- uh, initial confrontation, and as you said, if you don't respond in kind and then some, with some stirring language and said said actually in a way that looks like you're not a sort of a drug robot. Um, if you don't respond in the right way, you're you've lost. And you know, so there's no doubt they talked about other things for the next two days, and it seems like the Americans didn't give up the give thing give too much away, if anything. Uh, but the Chinese have sized them up, you know, taken their measure. And I don't think they're afraid of us. And that's the thing you really saw at this Alaska event is they, you behave a certain way when you're not afraid of someone. And I don't think they are. And that is dangerous. Um, There is time to recover. Not much time, I would suggest. Um, But, you know, these, hopefully the, the Biden team has learned their, learned their lesson um, Kennedy in Vienna, and President Kennedy in 1961 got treated similarly by the Russian leader Khrushchev, and Kennedy recovered. Um, so we'll see if these guys can. I was to say I don't think we we have that much time, but it was disappointing, particularly because um, you know this is was all predictable, and the one thing that they should never have done uh, in Alaska was to allow the the TV cameras to be there, to allow the press to be there, provide a global audience for the the Chinese who were out for blood. And that should never have been done. That wasn't even an amateur mistake. That was just incompetence. Uh, and because m- most other administrations wouldn't have allowed that, the Trump administration would not have allowed it, for one thing. The Chinese took full advantage of it. Uh, so the the Biden people who have spent four years harassing the the Trump administration and his foreign policy people, you know, calling them idiots, amateurs, etc., uh, for the new Biden team to do this, I mean, this is just so incredibly stupid that it just defies imagination. So a little, say, a little just decency in, would be useful, I think, for this new crowd. Uh, to recognize that the other guys did the best they could, and they did actually a very good job. Uh, and they just maybe a little thanks and appreciation for it would go a long way. You know, we're all Americans, and everyone wants us to succeed. Uh, but really, to see what happened in Alaska, you know, it's some people can put a good face on it. I have some trouble with it. Uh, but as noted, it's not the end of the game. And the, the thing to do now is to pick up and stop screwing it up. Uh, but and the Biden administration will have its chance, and it will have it right now. It's having it at them as we speak. I want to ask you about the choreography of the camera thing, um, uh, because oh, so if if so from the Biden administration perspective, we get this request to put this on TV, and we look at it, and what are we thinking if we ultimately say yes? Do we think we're going to show our our enlightened capabilities vis-a-vis, you know, the uh, the Mike Pompeo-led State Department of Donald Trump? Is that what we think we're going to do? And do we simply not believe that the Chin- Chinese will take full advantage of it? I you know I don't know. You know I don't know what the Biden team was thinking. Um, really, all they had to do was to maybe call up 
the couple guys from the Trump administration and say, what should we do here to make it go right? Uh, it was last uh, July in Hawaii, uh, the same, or at least the main Chinese guy wanted to meet with the Americans. Secretary of State Pompeo went out to meet him. Uh, there were no cameras there. And the Chinese did not do what they did uh, in in Alaska. Uh, it was about that simple. So I have no idea what they were thinking, but maybe it's the hubris that comes with uh, you know, a lot of people in high positions, lots of them having the best jobs they've ever had, uh, and they should know better. So they've got to stop making these amateur mistakes. I mean, they've been telling us that they're, they're the professionals, the foreign right. policy pros, the seasoned guys. Well, they didn't look like it in Alaska. All right, let me, uh, let me stay on the subject of China. Um, American businesses and, and international businesses, for that matter, have done a very good job doing the um, Tidewater Virginia two-step relative to making money in China, right, and never condemning anything that happens, uh, whether from Hong Kong to uh, to the suppression of the, the Muslim population in China and uh, estimated to be, what, I don't know, several million? And their, quote-unquote, re-education, labor camps, blah, 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 blah. Well, uh, in the past week, Nike got blasted on social media, which is kind of interesting. They did not get virtually erased like H&M did over the weekend. H&M does not exist in China anymore as a retailer. All right, because of lies it told about how do you how do you say that? Is it Xinjiang? Xinjiang. Xinjiang. The, mm-hmm. So sort of. Yeah. Sort of. So and that is the province where much of this re education, much of this labor uh in western China is taking place. Um and so I'm curious, um uh companies who have incredible social wokeness around the planet all of a sudden click it off when it comes to china however in the past week is um, what do you think will happen here do you think cooler heads will prevail and everybody's social conscious uh consciousness will go away um are we reaching a point where america where international business is gonna have to take sides i hope we do uh, I'm afraid that it will probably be that the only time they will take sides is once the war starts and because of financial sanctions, they can't cash their checks. And I'm not being funny about that. It's just, you know, if you, I can't think of any grounds to be optimistic about it. Uh, these guys have shown U.S. business, Western businesses uh, have shown themselves for several decades now uh, to be willing to overlook just the grossest human rights violations, overlook concentration camps, organ harvesting from live prisoners, no less. Uh, just overlook it because they can make some money in China and think they will sell one of something to every 1.4 billion uh, Chinese people. And there is no way to justify this, you know, none at all. Uh, it's like the, the companies that did business with Nazi Germany right up till the start of, of the shooting. And nothing changes. But the one one difference today is, you, is you're about my age. You remember when it used to be um, that if you were called a hypocrite, that was a bad thing? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think it makes any difference at all today. 
uh, and you don't see sort of America's corporate elite or financial elite uh, giving two hoots as long as they make some cash. Uh, and so I really don't have much up, you know, hope on that that score. And you know, you consider how the college students, you know, this the, the woke college students, how they went after South Africa, how they are going after Israel, what boycott, sanction, divest, or whatever it is, uh, and China. Oregon harvesting, concentration camps, black prisons, uh, not a peep. Uh, nobody seems to care, even on the campuses. Uh, hard to explain. So, you know, I'm, I'm not terribly optimistic about it. You know, Congress and, and if the White House drives it, does have an opportunity to put in place laws that make it very hard for companies to do business in, those, in a place like China, uh, just as was done with South Africa. But it requires, you know, some leadership on the U.S. side uh, to make this happen. And you'll notice even the Trump administration didn't really have much success in, on that score. But I think it, it, without a really big two-by-four upside the head, uh, I don't think American business is going to uh, sort of back off. Um, but it's funny, you know, because I – and I, I you know, if one of these guys was to pay me, like, 2000 bucks an hour for my advice. You know, I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, it's, I once asked the president of a financial firm in Tokyo um, if he minded giving up money um, when his company would refuse to do business with companies tainted with organized crime, when all his competitors were just going ahead with it. And he said, no, I don't mind it because people see what kind of company we are and we make more money as a result. We get more business. And I've never understood why none of these geniuses with the Ivy League MBAs haven't figured out that taking a stand for principle when it comes to China could actually be a business advantage. Uh, but once again, nobody asked me what I think. But, but it's something that maybe someday one of these guys will figure it out. Uh, but in the meantime, it's going to be the MPA not just um, groveling to make a little extra money from China. Uh, and so forth. So we'll see how it goes. And But also when a, a Western company or a foreign company doing business in China has to remember that it is it will only be as successful as the Chinese Communist Party lets it be, and for as long as it lets it be. But And the objective in China is to replace every foreign company with a Chinese one. So it may seem like you're making money and uh, but over the long term, the prospects are not good in that kind of a, a system. So uh, they'll learn their lesson, and Eli, they all will. Uh, it just takes some longer than others. You know, uh, to me, the the poster child for hypocrisy is Nike, uh, their big campaign with Colin Kaepernick, right? Uh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> stand for something, even if it costs you everything, right? It's laughable. When you look at their behavior vis-a-vis China, right? And, and their, their, their real motto in China is don't say shit even if you have a mouthful, okay? Because we're making money here. And it's pathetic, absolutely pathetic to watch it. And uh, these, these, these corporations that are so woke in the United States and take every, every um, what occasion they can to point out these problems in the United States – but don't say anything. And we watch the NBA do it. In, uh, uh, and NBA and Nike both do it. 
when the Hong Kong stuff was going on and, and, you know, the Lakers were over there, LeBron James is over there, mm-hmm. they're getting called yeah. out for it, and nobody says a word because it's getting close to my wallet. And so I, yeah. it's pathetic. But it seemed like, you know, uh, that, that both Nike and H&M and I think Burberry uh, was the other company that, uh, that actually said, you know, the events in Western China were very concerning and uh and and those just those 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 um you know just those dancing around the issue in public got them in deep deep kimchi so uh yeah yeah but again you 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 know you you always are consistent with your pessimism relative to american business and their desire you know, to do the wrong yeah. thing for money and how that will ultimately be the light that that shines away for them. Yeah, it's you know if you said you know just construct the argument the other way, well you know after thirty years, on what do you base your argument? Well, it's oh just a little while longer. So, so I haven't seen the evidence, uh, you know that they're going to change at all with China. And I'm constantly told. Well, you don't understand China, and nobody can ever explain exactly why I don't understand. Uh, and I was just told the other day in some seminar I was in that oh, the South African model doesn't apply to China. Uh, but nobody said why. Well, it's big. Well, okay. It's nobody, it's really, it's just, uh, just breathtaking hypocrisy. Uh, and once again, you know, the Westerners, if you you know, a whiff of a dollar bill, and a lot of them, you know, they behave like the, the sea lion down at, down the road from you at SeaWorld when he thinks he's got a mackerel snack coming. Uh, and I, that's probably been going on for a few thousand years, however. So, yeah, I'm not too optimistic on this one. All right. How about uh, North Korea launching missiles again? Uh, is there <laughs> any rhyme or reason to that? Is that just a local... Uh uh, an event saying, uh, pay attention to me. Is there anything deeper to that? Oh, I think the, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, it's just the same old thing from the Kims. And it kind of is the same old thing from the Kims. But it's worth keeping in mind that uh, this sort of thing always scares the, the Japanese a lot more than, than it does us. Because uh, it's like, they land really close to Japan and they don't land so close to where we are. But one thing to remember is that if China wanted, it could turn the taps off so that North Korea would go under just in a matter of days. And they're not doing it. And in fact, they've turned the taps on. So they are actually, once again, uh, just full bore supporting the North Korean regime. And they're not doing anything to stop the North from shooting missiles off like this, from developing uh, both missiles and nuclear technology, uh, and they're getting the capability to launch them out of submarines. And the Chinese are not stopping it. So that really should tell you all you need to know once again about uh, what the Chinese objectives are. It's not to become friends with us and resolve our differences and everyone get along and let Nike make a lot of money. Uh, but rather it's to displace us, dominate us, get us off the Korean Peninsula for starters. Uh, so that when you see those that's North launching missiles, you always it's a good to ask, well, who could have stopped them? And it's China, and China didn't stop them. So why didn't they stop them? And that, as I say, it's a good 
uh, sort of insight into Chinese objectives? Um, Myanmar, am I saying that right this time? You're getting close. Just try Burma, like Burma. <laughs> yeah. That's getting harder to find. But, um, Myanmar? Yeah, Myanmar, Myanmar. Myanmar. Myan, Myanmar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that works. Uh, um, uh, big violence there uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, yeah. As uh, the military flexes its muscle and over 100 civilians killed. Uh, where does all this go? Ultimately, and, uh, and 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 what does this do to to Burma in terms of uh, the geopolitical struggle in the region? Huh. You know, it's it's interesting because the um, you don't usually get these kind of numbers when a regime starts shooting people, um, and this is a lot. You know, and the you do have opposition in. Myanmar, Burma, uh, and particularly with some of the tribal groups, you know, the Shan Kachins, uh, whatever the other ones, um, but the, these, the hill tribes. And a lot of them have a lot of weapons, and they've been fighting the regime for, off and on for decades, really since the end of World War II or since the British left. And they do have some ability to defend themselves, uh, and there are weapons available uh, around in Burma. So, you know, it could be that the the opposition uh, does manage to arm itself and you see the country going into something of a civil war, uh, at which point the Chinese just might see themselves as having an excuse to get in uh, and stabilize things. You know, they share a border with, with Burma. Right. Um, but everyone's going to be really interested if it does go get into a civil war because the Indians have an interest in it. Uh, the the Thais do as well. The Indonesian, or excuse me, the ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. They've, which is kind of useless most of the time, but they they will, you know, have some concern about it any time a member of your organization has got a full blown insurgency, civil war going on. You've got to be interested. But it's um, Burma's been a mess forever. Uh, and it's, But it's a mess that hasn't really made much difference unless you live there. And it could be that it becomes a mess that attracts outside attention, outside involvement. And that's something different. You know, how it will play out, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I could see it... Be- getting to the point where you do have outside uh, forces coming in. And the, the Chinese, it appears, have uh, been backing the, the military regime. Uh, that seemed pretty obvious from the start. So they're, And they're not very, as I think I'd mentioned earlier, they're not very popular with the average Burman uh, or Myanmarese. And they, that's why they're burning down Chinese factories. <laughs> In, in Burma, which gives you some idea of how they're regarded. But with the ruling military uh, the, what, regime, um, they, they've been on the Chinese payroll forever. They make a ton of money from Chinese interests. Uh, so there's a, it is a fractured society. And once you fracture it by killing a whole lot of people, it's hard to put those things back together. Uh, so, you know, think of, say, the, the Balkans, you know, but in Burma, you know, it, it's a place that's been 
you know, it has uh, what ethnic splits um, that. Um, uh, so it is effective. It's not really a, you know, a homogenous country. You have the Burmese or Burmans, and then you have the the hill tribes that I uh, noted earlier, who are are different. Um, and that's uh, so. It's you know, so it's going to be a place that it's going to be harder to ignore than it has been. Got it. I want to ask you about the Philippines and China. Uh, let me just read you some headlines from the past, I don't know, 24, 48 hours. Philippines deploys Air Force as tensions over Chinese ships rise. Next one, Philippine fighters fly over Chinese flotilla in the South China Sea. Next one, records expose China's maritime militia at Whitsun Reef. Uh, next one, news alert. Philippines accuses China of swarming presence in the South China Sea. Next one, Blinken backs Philippines as hundreds of Chinese vessels move into the South China Sea. Um, what's going on? I mean, uh, Mr. Duterte is uh, his own uh, fierce, independent thinker, uh, certainly created space between himself and the United States. Uh, what's going on? Um, I think what... Well, What's going on in the sort of the, the basic sense is that apparently a couple hundred Chinese maritime militia boats have come and parked themselves within Philippine territory. Um, in, it's only about 175 miles off the Philippine coast. So it's well within the, the 200 mile exclusive economic zone. So it's Philippine territory. Now, uh, is, is are, this anywhere near the Scarborough Shoal? Uh, it's south of it, but it's, you know, it's all in the ballpark. It's be in the, um, if you go down to Palawan and then head sort of northwest or head west a little bit. Got it. Um, but it's right in the middle of the, the South China Sea. But this part of it is def it's Philippine territory. And the, what we think is going on or what people that I've talked to or heard from, uh, reckons going on is that. You know, these 200 ships that have come and, and parked themselves. And if you look at how they're parked, it's the way you park military ships. So these are maritime militia boats uh, that are, you know, built for one purpose, and that's to intimidate, to ram, and to sink. And 200 ships is a lot of them. And they've parked themselves in this territory. It's near some of the other uh, artificial islands that the, the Chinese have created. Um, and they're just expanding their presence. Uh, in the area, and there's probably going to be some more land refill or sort of reclamation going on, uh, some more land built uh, for military purposes. Um, and it's, but there's, so it's more of the same that we've seen uh, in the area and directed towards the Philippines in the sense that it's in Philippine territory. But what this really is, it's, I think, and some others do as well. It's a, a challenge to the Biden administration right. uh, saying, what are you going to do? And because in the as one of the headlines you read, uh, Secretary of State Blinken has said that we're with the Philippines on this and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But OK, now what are you going to do? That sounds very much like like the strongly worded statement from the Obama administration when with a yeah right that uh, takes us back to the South China Sea and the Spratly Islands and the uh-huh. you know the the Paracel Islands and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's exactly what we did then, and then did do shit after that, right? 
that's the thing. And it does, re- it could be a modern Scarborough Shoals, which is you know, when the Chinese come park themselves somewhere and defy somebody to do something about it. And so that's where we are. So as we speak, you know, the Biden administration had better be figuring out what it is they are going to do to demonstrate that they're going to take on the Chinese and that the Chinese are going to pay for this. Uh, and if they don't, well, everyone in the region will understand the message. And the Filipinos in particular will as well. They will say, this is the third time you've sold us out. You've done nothing for us. Uh, admittedly, the Filipinos can be difficult, or some of them, uh, in terms of even just doing some things for themselves. Uh, but that's not that's not the point here. That This is a, really a challenge by Beijing against uh, the Biden administration. So they'd better do something uh, to get a, a U.S. presence out there to demonstrate that, you know, we'll fight if we hadn't, if we have to, or, you know, that's, and that is, um, you know, tough business, a tough business to try and resolve. Uh, but that's where we've allowed it to go. The Chinese, as you saw in Alaska, they don't seem to be afraid of us. And they are challenging this administration. Uh, I think they've they don't uh, think they have the, the steel or the spine to uh, to really respond to when the Chinese push. And that's what you're seeing out at Whitsun Reef, uh, to my way of thinking. So there's a lot more to it, uh, actually, than just grabbing a little more Filipino, uh, Philippine territory, which in itself is sort of taking candy from a, a baby. Uh, but this is a test for the United States. So we're going to have to think of something Um to make sure that we don't do another Scarborough Shoals, because uh, you can only get humiliated so many times. You can only <laughs> let your friends down so don't, many times. Don't underestimate, right? Yeah, well, that's the American well, appetite for humiliation yeah, in the yeah, in, in we the kinda, Western Pacific. It sort of feels good, I think. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what's going on. That's the I think the significance of that. When the the Philippines said they sent fighter jets over Whitsun Reef, <laughs> you might ask, well, which one? Uh, which you know, they don't have much of an air force. Um, well, but, again, but, but again, that's well. like but, uh, that's, uh, that's like yeah. us doing proclaiming proudly. Yeah, we did a Freedom of Na- Navigation Act. Oh, really? So you it's, drove through, and then what? Nothing, yeah, right? It's, it's even less than the. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like that. But the, you know, if if the Philippines try, you know, that's something. Um, but they've their military really has been allowed to uh, just deteriorate um so it it just doesn't have much oomph Uh, but that said that's what you have friends for that's why they have a treaty with the united states and that's why the the u.s supposedly underwrites the interests of most of the countries in the region Uh, and most of the countries are glad to have them do it because they won't do much on their own behalf to defend themselves uh, but this is an attempt to again, to displace the United States, to discredit uh, and to break the alliances, sort of formal and informal, that we have with the regional nations and to show that China is the, the big power. And if you want to have a happy life in Asia, you'd better do what China says. Uh, so the Americans, we are faced with a challenge that, you know, it, it's not the same as somebody attacking us. Um, but it's kind of the same, similar, and the potential outcome is uh, about the same. It's not as bloody, but uh, in terms of us 
losing and losing politically, psychologically, and and, and are losing our presence in the region. Uh, this is part of the game uh, for the that the Chinese are trying to play. Right. Well, and and again, it's uh, you know you're getting poked in the chest. You got poked in the chest in Alaska. You're gonna get you're getting poked in the chest in uh, in you know. Because I don't think you need to be a genius <laughs> when you see that number of ships and what's coming behind it, and then what will be the response and the Phil- the the Philipp- the response of the government of the Philippines, I would say, is largely irrelevant. It's what will the free nations of the world do, and at what point do you take on China? And they seem to be they seem to be very, as you said, very comfortable, you know, provoking this confrontation, right? Yeah, that and that's always troubling. They, right. You know, and the what we can do is well, one I, way to again, look Grant, at is it me or okay. do you see? I mean, you see a, a kind of a newer, more public confidence um, in in these Chinese moves. You know the you know it, you know the, the twenty two minute lecture, right? Um, the way they treated the World Health Organization, right? Big piece on sixty minutes Sunday night uh, here in the United States. Uh, you know, with uh, these, these were the conditions under which the World Health Organization went to China, and you're listening to it, and you're going, "You got to be kidding me!" I mean, this is a joke. Yet the World Health Organization puts its name on that shit, and so China seems to be increasingly emboldened because nobody calls bullshit on it. And 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 so, to me, what this what you see here is, you know, renewed confidence. That we have no reason to be to fear the Americans anymore, so we won't. Which you know, I'm, I'm is, yeah, you know, I don't think that overstates it. Unfortunately, you know, this, you know, I, you know, I think they've sized up Team Biden, and I, I just don't think they're they're afraid. Um, you know, that 22 minute diatribe in Alaska that would have been like 20 seconds if it, Mike Pompeo had been across the table. Uh, and but you know they say they know the people on team on um, uh, Mr. Biden's team, and you know and I've written before you know I just say who is it that scares the Chinese and and I don't think there's anyone and I'm not saying it you know it all gloating or anything it's uh, you know scary you know to think that and I hope these guys can somehow uh, demonstrate that the Chinese are wrong, um, but they have the opportunity to excel. And then you also look at it from the Chinese perspective, and you have an America that is just incredibly divided, you know, with half of it, you know, one well, with a new administration trying to basically destroy the other half, you know, just sort of get the, the rest of you know, half the population by the throat, tell them to shut up and take what's coming. Uh, you've got their debasing our currency which is a sort of a fancy way of saying that they're making our dollar useless uh, by printing and uh, spending so much money. Uh, And then you've got a military, which, you know, is more concerned about how flight suits fit more than having enough missiles to take on the Chinese that, you know, look at this from Beijing's perspective and they've got to like their, their position. Um, But, you know, that said, you know, there is a, (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so, so woke, distracted, and weak. That's not exactly a winning. I don't know how much history you read, Grant, but it's over history. You know, over the course of history, that has not been 
a quotient for great success? No, not when the uh, when the vandals show up on the exactly. eastern, you know, the eastern edge of your empire, right. um, who are pretty serious, and they've only got one thing in mind, and you're and you, you, know, and, you and you keep the, and you keep saying Marcus of Queensbury rules, right? Oh, yeah. And then they and send little, your courier back without his head. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Is that of the Marcus of Queenberry's rules? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. They, you know, they, these, you know, they, the Chinese behavior, though, you know, it, it's getting harder and harder for people want to overlook it, to overlook it. So that, you know, is how an optimist might look at this. And say that they've just been so outrageous that even the countries that don't want to do anything uh, are going to have to stand up uh, for themselves. And that's, I think, what the Biden administration is counting on. Uh, but at the same time, if you, you can get them to issue their own sort of lovingly crafted statements of concern, uh, but it's what are you actually going to do about it? So these problems in the South China Sea, uh, where the Chinese are flexing their muscles is, uh, are probably not going to be solved in the South China Sea. Right. So what you do is you go back to you know, go back to Washington and you delist the top 10 companies, Chinese companies on the New York Stock Exchange. You make it illegal for any financial firm that does business with the U.S. government to invest its money or other people's money in China. You cut off that flow of foreign exchange. You actually get your money's worth out of our 100,000 person plus $80 billion a year intelligence community and start exposing Chinese uh, Communist Party top leadership corruption and make sure that every single person in China knows exactly what they're doing, how much money they've got overseas, how many relatives with green cards. Um, that's where you apply the pressure on them. Uh, but if it's, you're probably not going to be able to match them boat for boat uh, in the in the South China Sea, but you do make it clear that, you know, if they want to fight, they'll get one. Uh, and we're still able to cause plenty of harm, but uh, I say it's best to sort of broaden the aperture in terms of how you can apply pressure on right. the Chinese, because uh, they have managed to get a nice overmatch in, in the South China Sea for themselves. Uh, so, you know, it's, and it's, not, it's not a military solution, that's part of it. But as you can see, it's economic, political, psychological, uh, and uh, a lot of it just has to do with access to foreign exchange, convertible currency. Unfortunately, the Chinese know that as well as we do. So I expect the uh, the next big Chinese attack to be on uh, the U.S. dollar. Uh, and once that's gone, we don't have too many clubs left. Grant, is it me or does Taiwan seem to be gaining in... I don't know if prestige is the right word, but I mean, there was a time not too long ago where you didn't even say the word Taiwan, let alone, the, you know, talk about defending it, let alone to go there. But it, is it me or does it seem to be that the world now seems to be discussing Taiwan more openly and with a, with a continual bias towards, yes, of course we would defend Taiwan. Is that me, or is it is it something that's out there? Um, I, th I don't I don't think it's you. I think it's out there. The uh, defending Taiwan. I'm not sure we've gone that far yet. 
to be sort of a widely recognized uh, sort of good thing. But in terms of the recognition Taiwan is getting you know, as a, a decent a decent country uh, that deserves respect, attention, etc., is I think that is a change from just a few years ago uh, when governments would they wouldn't even say the word for fear of China getting angry. But you just do see more of a sense and uh, sort of all over the place that uh, the Taiwan is a respected respected uh, country uh, and that it deserves sort of not just attention but actually dealing with it, you know, particularly from a business perspective, um, actually sending officials to Taiwan, treating the the overseas Taiwanese and Taiwanese officials with some respect and not sort of just the bare minimum in hopes they go away. So it, it is getting, uh, I think, say more appreciation. And that is a reflection, I think, of of it being a sort of a democratic uh, country of 24 million Chinese people. Uh, and so that is, a, that's a change um, in terms of, say, going to, to fight for it. Uh, that's still a ways to go in, on, on that score, but one step at a time. Uh, and it's better than it was just a few years ago. So I think you're right. Interesting. Uh, no, I, I just see it being written about in ways that I don't recall, um, you know, seeing it written about in, in you know, just even in, in years, uh, a few years past. Um, interesting stuff. All right. Uh, what's the next thing you're going to write about? Oh, well, I'm writing something um, based on uh, Admiral... Aquilino, the right. incoming PACOM commander. Right. Uh, and he repeated something like what the outgoing commander, Admiral Davidson, said was, uh, well, Admiral Davidson said uh, that Chinese might attack Taiwan, say, by 2026. And Admiral Aquilino said it could be a lot quicker than that. So I'm writing something on that uh, issue of, you know, are they right? And I think they are actually. Uh, I think that you know something could happen a lot sooner than uh, than people have thought. Uh, so that's what I'm I'm going after. So um, what would we expect to see in all that? Would we the first thing we see is little green men, um, irregular warfare, um, the boa constrictor slowly but surely tightening. Um, <laughs> How Keep going. How You'll would... eventually get all, all of them, but right. it could be all of those. You know, I was telling a reporter the other day that it, because you know, everybody, you know, there's probably a dozen things that could happen and are ways to do it, and everyone has their favorite one and the one they that immediately comes to mind, and that that's how they conceive of what is what's going to happen. But it, it's kind of like I used a football analogy that, you know, say it's like uh, second and six. Right. You know, there's probably 15 different plays that they could call. You know, you could just do a, a run and try to get some of that six yards so you can, you know, maybe even another short run will get you the first down on third. You might, you know, go for 15 over the middle. You might even try a bomb or, or there's just any number of things you can do. And yet the coach doesn't quite know, you know, what, you know, when a second is six, then the, the coordinator's thinking. Okay, which of these do I do? And it kind of comes down to the last, the last second when they just decide. And they could even do an audible. Um, so unless you're like Tony Romo, you know, who 
seems to know exactly what's going to happen and is wrong, you know, you know most of the time, uh, that nobody quite knows how they will go about it, but they know what the options are uh, for Taiwan. And it could be anything from the little green men uh, with, a, say, a decapitation strike or a coup de main um, or to try and get the place that way, or it could be that as part of a full-scale attack. Uh, could just be standoff and blockade or isolate Taiwan and let it starve to death. Uh, nobody quite knows, but they understand, they know what the options are. So that, uh, I think, is the, that's how I tend to look at it. But my take is that if they have to, I think China would use force, and a lot of it. Um, they'd prefer not to, but I think they're willing to do it. And that is one of the reasons why you're seeing them do in the Philippines, what they're they're doing is to, it's not just to get Philippine territory or to challenge us, but they've got Taiwan in mind. And what happens, you know, in the U.S. response is going to convince them one way or the other that Taiwan is a good, uh, it's worth attacking Taiwan or it's not worth attacking Taiwan. And so that's another thing to, to weigh in, to think about. So um, but, so what what would you expect to see... Um, what would you expect to see, Grant? I mean, so you would expect to see in America a um, the Western democracies roll over once again uh, for the Chinese, and what is so we've rolled over so many times. Um, then, yeah, geez, really, you know that the confrontation proposition—it's just too extreme. Um, yeah, there's nothing really that bad about a second island chain that is the Aleutians. I mean, we kind of hang out, Mm -hmm. you know, the South Koreans Mm -hmm. and the Japanese, but, but I mean, you know, they'll fend for themselves and, uh, you know, us going to the second island chain, I mean, our own second island chain. I mean, well, if that's the worst that comes of this, then so be it. Um, is it just to desensitize us to rolling over like that and that, you know, nothing is worth fighting for like this because uh, it would just be catastrophic. Yeah, well, they're trying to do that. And they've, that's why you buy off uh, the ac- American academics uh, that, you know, that they're trying to, sort of, as you said, desensitize us. Um, but also they're trying to put us in a position where, oh, where even if we want to do something, we can't. You know, if you move your carriers in, they're getting hit by ballistic missiles and sinking uh, they're trying to make it so we just can't even get in close to help taiwan uh, that's part of it and then going back to the desensitizing or subverting it's our business class you know they are going to they're all for selling out taiwan because uh, they don't want to lose the china market or what they see as the the, the bounty of that market uh, and so that's part of the you know, there's a few things going on at once. Um, but they, the test is, will America respond? You know, will America, you know, even if they can't get into Taiwan, will they um, like seize or sink every Chinese merchant vessel anywhere on the planet? Uh, which we probably could, we could have a, a pretty good run at if we wanted to. Will we really cut off China from the dollar, U.S. dollar system? So nobody can do business with China unless it's barter trade 
and and it's North Korea and Iran and those great countries. Um, would we would we really stand up to them? That's what they're testing, and I will find. I think we'll we'll find out. You know, if we will or not. But it's I think things are going to get very interesting. I think within a, a couple of years. Um, you know, there were people saying, and you know, that the Chinese were going to test the Biden administration within the first three months, and they've already tested them a few times. And it's, you know, they haven't quite made up their minds, I think, but the initial signs uh, are not good. And it is going to depend very much on whether the Biden team can actually do something concrete to demonstrate that they will stand up to China, not just statements of concern and not just getting friends to say, oh, China's misbehaving, but rather to actually do things. And yeah, that's and, what we're and, and things to like, see. we're really not kidding this time. We're really not kidding this time. You know, and, and, and again, make no mistake about it, the poke in the chest of the Philippines is a poke in the chest of the United States. The Philippines, right, that finger is going straight through the Filipinos, right? <laughs> yeah, and, it kind of is. Right, yeah, and, and right to yeah. President Biden. Yeah, look, you've done all this shit in the region. We're going to do, do this straight in your face. What will you do? And, I, and as you said, we will see. We will see. But yeah. if past performance... Of, of this group is any indication of uh, future returns, you know, not going to be good. Not going to be good. So, anyway, Grant, first of all, I appreciate you uh, hanging uh, with me through the uh, power outage and uh, and uh, and coming back on and uh, finishing this. So, thank you very much. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, that was, I always enjoy it. So, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thanks, Grant. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. See you. That'll do it on a uh, on an interrupted show. So with apologies. Um. Yeah, I don't even think I explained what happened. Um, I've been busy this week and didn't check my mail very much, and got a notice that there would be a planned power outage Monday morning at zero eight by Southern California Edison in order to repair transformers in my neighborhood. They've been doing working on this like one day a week for, or one day every other week for the last month or month and a half. I didn't look in the mail and lo and behold, yeah, the power got shut off for like six hours. So anyway, my appreciate, my, uh, obviously my appreciation to Grant for, um, a lot of stuff crammed into that hour. So my, you know, I always, I always love when Grant comes on and and kind of uh, takes us behind the curtain of a lot of the different power struggles. And and really, one of the great power struggles is against American business. What's in America's best interest and what's what's in the best interest of American companies. And it's becoming two different things vis-a-vis China. American companies cannot get into China fast enough and big enough, right? Retailers in particular, to satisfy themselves. And yet, providing hard currency, right? And all the other things they do is enabling the Chinese monster, right? 
pension funds investing, all the different things that American companies do there, right, is paving the way for China to become the ascendant power on the planet. And that's not going to be a good thing for anybody. So, except the members of the Chinese Communist Party. It'll be a good thing for them. So, um, yeah, Grant, awesome stuff today. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Chris Woodbridge joins us tomorrow, the editor and publisher of the Marine Corps Gazette, the publisher of Leatherneck Magazine. We'll talk about the April edition of uh, the Marine Corps Gazette. So, on that note, have a great day. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. I'm out.